I'm going to have you remember that song at the end of this message. I'm going to tell you, remember when I said to remember, turn your eyes? So here's your moment. This is the time where you put that mental pin. Turn your eyes. Remember that song. We get lost and confused in our world. We think of how we're supposed to fight our battles. But you know what? This is how we fight our battles. This is the book that we trust, that we go to. It's why, like Ryan said, it's why every Sunday we preach out of God's Word. Why? Because that's where our answers are. That's where our defense is. That's where we find our truth. And so what do we do here Sunday mornings? On Sunday mornings, we come here to learn how it is that we can live as Christians. So this morning we're going to talk, we're going to be in Acts 7, and we're going to go back to that man, Stephen. What an incredible example and encouragement for us on how to live as a Christian. If you're in your Acts journals, it's page 44 on the bottom of it. We'll be in Acts 7, starting in verse 54. We're picking up now in the middle of Stephen's opportunity to defend himself against the charge of blasphemy. And all of the leaders in the world in Jerusalem... Uh, primarily from the church, but from around. Uh, they had him on trial, but it wasn't really a trial for blasphemy against Moses and against God. Those are the two unforgivable things. They, they couldn't tolerate that in the church of his day. And so they charged him with blasphemy against Moses and God. And they said, now you've got an opportunity to speak in your defense. And essentially what Stephen has chosen to do to this point is to recount the history of Israel and all the opportunities that the people of Israel had to turn to God, but that they didn't. They, they relied on their own understanding. They fought their battles by themselves. They didn't turn their eyes to God. They turned their eyes to themselves and their, their own wants and wishes. And so at the point where Stephen should be saying, I didn't do it. It isn't me. I, I'm not the guy that said the things that you're saying. What he has chosen to do instead is to show them that they're the ones who have blasphemed against Moses. They're the ones who have turned their backs and blasphemed against God. And the people are not happy. This crowd is beginning to turn on Stephen. And I've said this before. I would love to have heard him deliver this what amounts to being sermon. It would have been incredible because Luke says he was full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. And boy, do we ever see that as he speaks. And so last week we left off and Stephen was uh, was kind of ratcheting things up. He was turning up the heat. He left. We left him rather with this not so subtle statement that he makes to this group of religious people. He said, you stiff necked people, you are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. You're stubborn. You're ignorant. You're selfish. You're arrogant. You're prideful. And every time God comes among you to do something, you resist Him. You resist the Holy Spirit. You always resist God's Holy Spirit. And what happens is this mob of people doesn't take kindly to those words. Because what Stephen is doing is speaking the truth, and he isn't just stepping on their toes. He's hammering them with the truth. And the tide is beginning to turn. And so what I want to encourage you to do is allow a movie to run in your mind. You hear me use that language a lot. It would have been great to have been there, but what we have is his words. We have Luke's telling of the events. Allow a movie to run in your mind because part of what we're going to run into today, we really don't have any experience firsthand in our world at all. And so we're going to rely on this text. And what the text gives us is real life, real history, a part of God's story that continues today and, and that we are now a part of. 
And you've heard me use the phrase over and over and over. You get to choose the side of the story. You get to choose the side of history that you're going to be on. Choose wisely. Choose carefully. We get to see today we've got another opportunity to choose wisely. Acts 7, starting in verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, that was kind of the, the, the leading governing body of the, of the temple. When the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at them. Those sound like strong words, but they really don't get the point across what the original Greek would get across. Furious is they saw red. They were so angry they couldn't think straight. They immediately went bonkers. And then the phrase gnashing of teeth or gnash their teeth, that happens in the New Testament more than once. And it conveys in the Greek the idea of dogs or wolves that are so angry that they're baring their teeth and they're snarling and they're growling and you just know something not good is about to happen. That's the point that's coming across here. Verse 55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, in spite of the fact that this crowd is so angry with him, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I wonder if you had someone, much less an entire group of people, come after you with everything that they had, and you could tell that they were at a boiling point, they were at a breaking point. What would your response be? I think I would be scared to death. And when I say the world needs more men and women like Stephen, it's more men and women who know to respond like this. His response is, he looks to heaven... And God gives him a vision, and the vision is that he sees the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So when he sees the glory of God, he doesn't see God because we don't get to look upon God. But he sees the incredible glory of God, the brightness of the light that is God, and Jesus standing at God's right hand. And then in verse 56, he says, look to this crowd of people that is absolutely about to do him in. He says, look, I see heaven open." And the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. God is giving him a vision. And the vision is saying, Stephen, no matter what these people say, no matter what they do, no matter how angry or hostile, or no matter how they try to tell you that you're wrong, I'm telling you that everything you believe and know is true. At at this critical juncture of Stephen's life, God is saying, Stephen, I'm here with you. Everything that you're talking about is right. You're speaking the truth. He gets a vision of the glory of heaven and he sees the living Jesus at the right hand of God. And you've got to remember, this is what makes the Sadducees so angry. They're Sadducee because they don't believe in heaven. They don't believe in an afterlife. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe that Jesus is raised from the dead. They believe that they killed Jesus on a Roman cross and he is dead to this day. And the fact that Stephen, in all calmness, looks to heaven, he looks up in the sky And he describes what he sees, infuriates the Sadducees, because everything that they have built religious life around, the huge temple, all of the things that they've told the people, everything that they've said, all begins on the foundation that there is no afterlife. And Stephen is saying, no, he's alive. You say that there's no heaven and there's no life after death and that there's no living Jesus. And yet here I am. I'm looking up and God is allowing me to see him. And their entire religious structure is undermined in that one statement. And the mob snapped. This group of people that was supposed to just let him answer to charges suddenly becomes crazed. 
At, in verse 57, at this, and this is where the movie gets interesting. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. You've got to picture this. This is a group of, I don't know, a couple hundred men. These are the leaders. These are the religious leaders and the cultural leaders. These are the people that they go looking for wisdom and understanding and knowledge. And Stephen says that I see this vision of heaven. And I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And these guys covers their ears and they start screaming. It's ridiculous. They're screaming like a bunch of people that are completely out of control. Why would that be their response? Stephen says, it's all true. Everything God has promised. I can see in heaven. And they cover their ears and they start yelling at the top of their lungs because the truth of who they were and the truth of Jesus was more than their sinfulness could stand. And that runs into where this gets hard for us. Because sometimes we cover our ears from the truth. Sometimes we don't physically do, but we just don't go to hear it. Sometimes when we hear someone tell us the truth of God and we're convicted by it, we walk away. We've got earphones now. You can buy earphones that you cover your ears and the noise canceling blocks out all the sound around you. And you get to listen to whatever you want. And I wonder how many of us have bought those so that we can listen to the Bible read to us. Or do you listen to you don't have to listen to other people and you can just tune the world around you out. These people hear the truth of God that everything, everything that God has promised is true. God is on his throne in heaven and Jesus is standing at God's right hand. And that is so infuriating to them that they cover their ears and they start yelling as loud as they could because they refused to hear the truth. And I wonder how many times we do the same thing. See, the truth shattered the glass house of religion that they built. The truth that the Bible holds, the truth that Stephen was trying to help them see, that Jesus came to fulfill, and that Stephen says, I see in heaven. That truth was more than they could handle. The truth of God in Christ Jesus shattered everything else they wanted people to believe. And that kind of religion, that kind of religiousness, that kind of rules and laws and follow all of this stuff still exists today. And the truth of Jesus continues to shatter it. See, there, there are people who are always deaf to the truth of God instead of listening and repenting. Whether they put the earphones on or they start yelling or they just stop listening. That's not the side of the story you want to be on. You don't want to be one of those people. They'll do anything to keep from having to hear and accept the truth of God which reveals the truth of themselves. And what was happening was Stephen was revealing the truth and it shined a light on their sinfulness all the way to the core. And rather than hearing it, they closed their ears and started to yell because they wanted to hear anything else. They did what Stephen told them they did best. They ignored. They yelled. They turned their backs on God. They turned their backs on Jesus. And they refused to accept conviction in the Holy Spirit. And what Stephen has told them is just like your ancestors. You always deny the Holy Spirit. Verse 58, what happened next? And this all happened really fast. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. you got to think about that. They rushed at him without anybody saying anything. One mind, all of them. Now go back to the beginning of the early church, and because of the Holy Spirit, all the believers were of one mind and one heart, and they had everything in common. This group, this mob, has everything in common. They're of one mind, and the one mind is to rush out and silence the voice that is speaking truth that they don't want to hear. 
See, in a mob, there's no place for common sense and reason. With a mob, there's no place for discussion. There's just the demand for action and the acceptance, even if it has to be by force, that whatever the mob believes in is said to be correct and true. They'll do whatever they have to to see the result that they want to happen come come to be. And in the last year and a half, the streets of America have seen the, seen the devastating results of mob activity like we haven't in a very long time. In, in fact, this mob mentality that you do what you want and you get what you want and it doesn't matter what kind of force you have to use, you close your ears and you just start yelling has changed the face and the character from our city streets in America to the, the halls of politics in Washington. This mob mentality that closes our ears to whatever anyone else might have to say. And I'm going to yell and scream at the top of my voice. And what do we do? We tune out everybody else and we just listen to the people that we want to hear. 2,000 years, things haven't changed, folks. The trouble with mobs is the truth doesn't matter. It's just a crowd. Because you're a part of a mob of people that agree with you doesn't make you right. It just makes you a part of a mob. Truth and reason don't matter. Only intimidation matters. Finding a a way to create a frightening response to their dissatisfaction matters. A knee-jerk reaction to whatever they're not happy with matters. No matter who gets in the way, no matter what the truth is. And so with Stephen, what they wanted to do was the same thing as with Jesus. They just wanted to silence the voice. So they cover their ears, they start to scream, and they begin to kill him with rocks. Remember, they're stiff-necked people. Stephen had told them that. They always ignored the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what they're doing. They're proving Stephen right. They're the blasphemers. They're the ones that deny the Holy Spirit. They're the, one, they're the ones that deny the power of God in Christ Jesus at work among them. And so they're going to do with Stephen just like they did with Jesus. They're going to kill the man so that they can silence the voice. And they thought it, they, their thought was that if we can just kill the person, we can kill the problem. And because their words, their lies, their deception, their gossip, because their words didn't work, they took to using rocks to take care of the problem goes on and says, Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. You probably know Saul better as a guy named Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. At this point, he was a very faithful Jew. He was here. He understood everything that was going on with Stephen. It was formative into what we hear about him as we continue. We'll find out uh, more about him in chapter 9 of the book of Acts when we read about Saul and while he was on the road to Damascus and his encounter with the living Christ. He encounters the risen Jesus and his life has changed forever. Verse 59, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed. You've got to understand what this means. While they were stoning him, while there was a crowd that had gathered around him and the only intent to be there was to put an end to his life by throwing rocks at him. Think about how far you've got to have lost it to get to that point to think it's right. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. This man who is filled with wisdom and the Holy Spirit is being battered with with rocks and his only response isn't to yell. It isn't to scream in his defense. It isn't to tell him to stop, to beg him, to plead him. It isn't at all. It's to say, Jesus, receive my spirit. Jesus, welcome me home. It's all that he's thinking about. 
I, I can't even imagine. I spent a week, two weeks really, dreading this sermon. Dreading having to talk about it. I cannot imagine what it would be like to have been Stephen. He did everything right. He loved those people. They were his family. They were his ancestors. They were his culture and the faith and religion and tradition that he grew up with. And suddenly he is standing in the middle of a field outside of town and all of these people who he's trying to preach the good news of Jesus and show the way to heaven and talk about the goodness of God are throwing rocks at him in order to end his life. What does that movie play like in your mind? I can't imagine. I can't imagine what he was going through. I can't imagine what he was thinking, what he was feeling. I certainly cannot imagine the pain. And he says, Jesus, receive my spirit. Welcome me home. Verse 60. And he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Would you? <laughs> Really? He goes back to Jesus' words on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's interceding on behalf of his murderers. Don't hold this sin against them. What in the world? Who is this guy? When I said week after week after week, the world needs more men and women like Stephen. I'm not sure I know what I'm even talking about because I'm not sure I even understand him. But I know the world is woefully short on men like this and women like this. He's been standing on his feet up until now, but the, the rocks have done their job to the point that he can no longer stand. He's not strong enough, and he falls to his knees. Ultimately, he'll end up falling to the ground. And the thing that he says is, Lord, do not hold the sin against him. He prays that God doesn't hold the sin of murder against this angry mob who is taking his life. Who is this man, Stephen, that at this moment is so full of wisdom in the Holy Spirit that he looks to God and says, please forgive them. I can't imagine. I, I told you I struggled with this message for two weeks. I, I was well into the week and I hadn't had a word down on paper. I didn't want to talk about it. It would seem like it's not a very big deal because it's recounting a bit of history, brutal history, but then I, it, I realized I understood what's going on and how it is that we have to hear these words. I understood the part that I had to talk about. Well, weeks ago, last week we talked about it again, is that when people make accusations, when, when they spread lies, when they tell stories, when they love to truth, tell the truth because it hurts someone, it says a lot more about them. It says a lot more about the accuser than it says about you or whoever it is that they're talking about. And I realize this passage says an awful lot about us. See, the ancient tradition of stoning goes a long way back in human history. And it's brutal and it's meant to be brutal. It's meant to be brutal because what it does is gives, gives the announcement to everybody else is you better not be the one who did whatever it was that they did because this is going to be your end and it's going to hurt. You're going to die in a miserable way. See, stoning, stoning goes back a long time. In fact, it isn't done. There is still a religion on earth today that practices death by stoning if you do things that they say you're not allowed to do. It's brutal, it's horrible, it's awful, and it continues. See, the Luke talks about it, and it doesn't really explain it, but in their day they would have understood. See, the crowd grabbed him and dragged him outside of town because there weren't rocks in town. Jerusalem had paved streets. Jerusalem had shops and, and common areas. We maybe think of them as a park. I've been there. There's no rock 
outcroppings in the city of Jerusalem. But the moment you leave the big protective walls and you go not even into the countryside, you just go outside, there's rocks. There's rocks everywhere. And the crowd had to get him out to that area in order to have rocks. But the thing is, they're not rocks like we see. See, we see these kinds of rocks and they're heavy, but they're smooth because we've had glaciers and lakes and rivers and lots of rain. And it seems like these rocks aren't so bad. See, I've seen the rocks in the Middle East. I've seen the rocks outside of Jerusalem. They're gray. They're not this color, but they look more like this. They don't have the rain. They don't have the water and the rivers and the lakes. These rocks have sharp, jagged edges. They're uneven. I can't imagine throwing one at someone, much less being hit by one. And yet there was this tradition. This tradition that says, the one that brought the charges has to be the one that throws the first stone. If you think someone deserves to die for this crime that you've charged them with, then you're the one that's going to begin the killing. And so... Those who charged him were the ones that grabbed the first rocks and started throwing. That's why it was so significant when Jesus encounters the men who are surrounding this woman they caught in adultery and they want him to approve their stoning of her because that was the law. She deserved to die. And Jesus just simply said, those of you without sin cast the first stone. And the Bible says all the people walked away. And here's the part that gets me. We've been talking about being careful how it is that we talk and what we accuse people of. If you're going to accuse someone, if you're going to point your finger, if you're going to point out their sins or faults or flaws, here's the thing. You better make sure your sin closet is clean. You better make sure there's nothing tucked away back there. Because even Jesus says, you who are thought sin cast the first stone. And then I realize something else, and this is where it gets really hard. The words didn't work with Stephen, and so they resorted to rocks to end his life. We're a bit more civilized, but you know what? Sometimes our words are the rocks that we throw at people. Sometimes our words are meant to do the very same thing that the stones, that weren't stones at all, that were rocks did in Jesus' day. See, we throw words at people to undermine them, to knock them off the pedestal that we think they're on, to attack their reputation, their name, their self-esteem, to attack something that they've accomplished in the world that we're jealous about or angry about or think that they shouldn't be able to get away with. So we use our words as rocks. And the only intent is to hurt people. And just like in Stephen's day, if we can just shut them up with enough rocks, they're going to be quiet. And here's the thing. I know some of you have been assaulted by people's words, whether it's on social media or in the community or in the local establishments where talk is easy and accountability is non-existent. I hope you haven't been one of the ones that has thrown out those words, but I know some of you have been on the receiving end and they hurt like rocks. But I'll tell you what. Those people that make those statements and throw out the words, it says a lot more about them than it says about you. And if you think I'm overreacting, you don't have to wait very long if you if you follow the news before you hear of a young person in school who takes their own life because of bullies, because of classmates and friends who say things, who throw words out, true or not, that are so hurtful, that are so cruel, that hurt so badly, the only option they see is to end their life. And in this text, the whole point was that the things that Stephen said were so true, these people just couldn't take it. They didn't want to hear it anymore. 
So they plug their ears, they start yelling, and they begin to end his life by throwing rocks at him because the words, the words didn't work. I don't understand this Stephen. I don't, I don't get him. He's beyond what I'm able to understand in terms of his character and his wisdom and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Mobs, we can all understand mobs. Mobs want to kill. They want to destroy. They selfishly care only for themselves. Stephen, to the end of his life, cared for others more than he cared for himself. Not once in this process did Stephen offer a word in his defense. Not once. He just wanted people to know God. He wanted them to meet Jesus. And our world needs a lot more men and women who are Christians who are willing to live and love like Stephen. Christian men and women who are willing to look to Jesus throughout their whole life. And even when things are starting to look like it's our own imminent death, like the things that people are saying are hurting so bad we might not survive, to look to Jesus and trust in him, to speak his words of life and truth, even in the face of hurtful words that feel like rocks and we want to lash out. Words can hit like rocks. They can hurt like rocks. Words that come at you like rocks are meant to shut you up and shut you down. But words can also bring life. Words can carry with them the life of Jesus. And so how about we agree to be a church full of believers who are doing our very best to be a little bit more like Stephen, who was a little bit more like Jesus, and we go out into the world and we live and we love and we speak the words of life into people in the name of Jesus. The world has enough people who use words as rocks. We don't need to be them. Maybe you've never heard of Stephen. You don't have a personal relationship with Jesus and you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. I'm glad you're hearing this message today. Maybe you've never repented of your sins and accepted the free gift of salvation that Jesus offers in his life, death, and resurrection. Then you know what? Maybe today's your day. Maybe today's the day you take a turn and you lay down the rocks and you start living for Jesus. Maybe you accepted Jesus as your Savior a long time ago, but you haven't been living for him. Maybe you realize that you're one of those people who uses words like rocks and you realize that Stephen would have never did that. He didn't. Stephen would have never done that kind of thing, ever, ever, ever. And maybe what you need to, to do is just to say, Jesus, you know what? I know you and I know better and I'm sorry. And I repent of doing that. Please forgive me of my sins. Maybe today is the day that we start to live more like Stephen, who with his dying breath looked to God as his strength and hope. And what I find so encouraging is God didn't let him down. God opened heaven for Stephen that he saw exactly where he was headed. And he knew the words that he stood for, that he lived for, that he was about to die for were true. Remember at the beginning I said, I'm going to go back to the end and say, go back to that song, Turn Your Eyes. Turn your eyes to Jesus. That's what Stephen did. That's how he lived his life. That's how he faced his death. He turned his eyes to Jesus. He never even uttered a word in his own defense, just like Jesus who never uttered a word in his own defense. Stephen turned his eyes to Jesus with his life. It's what he did with his death. And the world needs more men and women who are willing to live as Christians and to live and to love and to speak words of life in the name of Jesus like Stephen did. People might not like you for it. People might throw words that hit like rocks. But you know what? You can know that you're standing for and speaking the truth. 
you can know that heaven is waiting for you. And you can know that Jesus died and forgave our sins and God raised him from the grave so that we had the opportunity to speak those words of life into a world that is dying without them. And if you don't think that America is dying without them, just look around you. Watch and listen to the news. I've never been particularly fond of the phrase of people being lost. I spent a lot of time doing outreach and evangelism. Nobody wanted to be identified as lost. You know what? America is full of people who are lost today. They're so far lost, they don't even know that Jesus exists. Maybe you're the one that has the opportunity to speak the word of life and love into their world and tell them a little bit about him. Stephen died for speaking the truth of Jesus. But Jesus died for our sins, that we might be forgiven. And all he asks is that we live for him. Let's pray. God, this is a tough passage. There's just no way around it. It'd be easy just to talk about how unfair it was that Stephen was killed for being a good guy. But there is so much more to it than that. It runs so much deeper. So much more broad. There's so much more in this text. And part of what is there is the simple fact that when the words didn't work, the people resorted to rocks to silence the person. And God, we can do the same thing. We can all be guilty of using words to hurt people. Maybe there's a part of them that we don't like, and so we try to kill it with a mean comment. Maybe we don't like success that they have reached, and so we try to knock them down a notch with words that are meant to hurt. Maybe we think that we have a right to dislike someone so much that we want to kill their character or their reputation. Maybe we just want to destroy their self-esteem. God, you didn't give us the gift of language and words to do that to other people. You gave us the gift of words to speak life, to speak the life of Jesus into their lives. Help us to be men and women and young men and young women who do not use words as rocks, but use words as a way to share the light and the life of Jesus to people who desperately need him. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. And then we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about yesterday, right? we got to talk about what happened yesterday. We, we need to recognize for a moment the 20-year anniversary of 9-11, the day that, that changed America, the day that violence of international terror landed on the shores of America and changed our lives forever. This day that a well-organized and internationally funded mob of terrorists decided to lash out at the freedom and the liberties and the safety that we enjoy as Americans. That's what happened yesterday. Now, before you say, oh, he's going to go off and get all political. Nope, this isn't political. This is not nationalism or patriotism. This is going to be a plea for what the truth really is and for confession and repentance and prayer. Because that's what America needs now more than anything. I was a pastor in my first call 20 years ago when it happened. I, I remember, like many of you, I remember where I was and what I was doing. The next few days really couldn't have been planned for. We spent, we had seven pastors at the time. Uh, we spent the next three or four days, basically 24-hour days, in counseling, listening, and praying with people. Because what was happening as a nation, we stayed up all night long. We were watching the news. We were trying to figure out what was going on. We were at our computer screens. And, and what we realized is that we didn't know what had happened, but we were a very different nation. And we had been forced to grow up immediately. We were forced to grow up and and... 
On Sunday, we realized, or the day after today is Sunday, on the 12th, uh, the 12th of September, that our national resolve had been challenged. And as Americans, we united. We came together as Americans and we stood and we decided we don't know what this means or where it's going, but we set our political differences aside. And what I saw was we were one America. And in that first call and talking to all those scared, frightened people, everybody had the same response. We've got to pray. And America prayed. And it's incredible to me that in the last 20 years, I don't see us so much as being the United States of America anymore. We've become the divided states of America. God's further from the heart of our nation than he's ever been because there are people who have made choices and enacted laws and, and taken stands that have driven God from the very heart of our life as Americans, and it's completely heartbreaking. And only God can heal us. Only God can unite us, and, and as with Stephen on that day that his life on earth ended and his life and glory began, only God is our hope. And I pray that as God's people here in this place and in our country, we choose the right side of this story to be on. That we choose God's side of this story. That we confess and that we repent and that we pray. And, and, and those words of Stephen, forgive them. Forgive them. Because if we do that, then, then we begin to speak life. Where otherwise all we're doing is carrying on the, the fear. And then we go to repentance and confession and we come back to God. It may be the 20th anniversary of the day that somebody out there tried to silence America, tried to silence the, the name of Jesus in our country, but we're at a crossroads. And the crossroads is we get the chance to come back. We get the chance to come back to God, to confess and to repent and to be people of prayer and ask that God would forgive us and that God would heal us. Let's pray. God, it's been 20 years and we still don't understand the events of that day. We still don't understand. We, we maybe think we have a glimpse into the why, but we still don't even grasp that. We don't know what's happening, what will happen tomorrow. We don't know what's ahead and in our future, but we know you. And we know that you are a God who is sovereign and you are God of all. You have created all and you are Lord of all. And we are people in a small little corner of this great nation of ours. And while we can complain about what other people don't do, God, we can begin to do something here and we can confess. We can confess that we have voted you out. We've taken you out of schools and courthouses. We've taken you out of city parks. We've told our children that they can no longer pray and we've torn down the Ten Commandments and every sign of you that we can remove, we've enacted laws and We've allowed mobs to tear down and to, to destroy. And God, the discussion often goes to whether this is a Christian nation or not, and that's not the point. You are the God of this nation. You are the God of all nations. And we come to you this morning, God, and we confess our sin. We confess in standing for politics, not standing for your truth. We confess standing for and voting for agendas that are close to us, not standing for the truth of your word it might contradict those agendas. We confess that we have stood by silently as other people have drowned you out. We've covered our ears while other people have yelled. God, we ask for forgiveness. In the power of your Holy Spirit, God, help us to repent. Help us to be people who don't feel like helpless victims, 
Help us to be people like Stephen who dare to speak the bold truth of life in Jesus. Let us begin here this morning in this place to go out into that world and rather than living in fear, God, let us be people who live in faith. Faith in who you are and who Jesus is and what he has done for us and then help us to be bold in sharing that good news with others. In Jesus' name, amen.